Welcome to The Confessional. I'm Mike Moran. Tell us your deepest, your creepiest, your funniest. Confess to us. No one's listening. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Confessional Podcast. My name is Mike Moran. I could not be more excited about this episode, partially because of the co-host we have today, Sue Werner from the band War on Women. How are you, Sue? What's up, everybody? I sound a little husky today. Uh, I just got over COVID. Plus, I think that like uh, that orange air uh, last week. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, we'll have to tell Howard about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's, a, there's a thing going on here where we're all breathing. Do, do other people know about that? Is that international news? Yeah, or no, we, we know about that. We know about that. We've heard about what's ha- what we've heard about, like, okay, the, the good. sunset right. in New York and stuff like that. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's good. Um, but, uh, Sue, just real quick, I know you're super excited about this episode and our guest, but before that, uh, just tell us real quick what War on Women is doing and what you got going on there. We just wrapped up tracking on our fourth album. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I'm really excited. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be badass. And you've got, aren't you, you're going over, you're going to Mexico City, right? We're going to Mexico City in October. Wow. And we're playing a, a, a festival called Punksylvania in Scranton, PA, uh, oh, in September. Home of the office. And for how we're not going on tour. Our office. We're not going on tour to Europe or anything this summer. You're not going. We're not going. Okay. Uh, just, just we're gonna try something a little different. Right, right. In Mexico City, <laughs> where is that located? That is Illinois, I believe. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I hope so. You know. <laughs> All right, but uh, Sue, you could not be more excited about this guest that we have today. Yep. You, we saw this fellow recently in the uh, the documentary entitled uh, "Woodland Dark and Days Bewitched." I love these super long and complicated <laughs> folk horror titles. Uh, this gentleman, you you read his book. Uh, we don't go back. Mm-hmm. A Watcher's Guide to Folk Horror. Yeah. Uh, he also has the uh, the book Cult Cinema, which we'll be talking on mm-hmm. today for the most part. Um, and his next upcoming book will be called The Question Embodies About the Horror, and it's about the horror of human identity. Mm-hmm. But just to clarify, today we are going to be talking about cults in, in cinema and in TV and movies. Cults are our main theme for this one. Cults. We could talk about all kinds of different things with this <laughs> fella, but we're doing cults today. All right. Please welcome to the show, Howard David Ingham. Howard, thank you so much for coming. Hello. Hi. Where can we? Uh, where, where can listeners find all your 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 things that you want them to find? Well, all the books are on Amazon. Um, you can find a lot of my writing at room207press.com. And I've also got a Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Howard David Ingham for the absolutely fantastic price of $1 a month. Nice. You get to read all my new writing Nice. Oh, as that's well. awesome. And I have read some of your writings, and it's great. He gets into the uh, the reptilian fellow. This guy's yeah. he's like a hodgepodge of everything that we love. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to hang out with no, him I'm, so bad. I'm signing up for that, for that Absolutely, Patreon the minute man. we get done he with this. He talks about the reptile people with the David Icke. He's got everything. <sighs> this should, we should call this like the satanic panic year on the confessional because that's all we've been talking right, about yeah. this year. <laughs> oh, um, I love a satanic panic. Oh, we got to do a satanic panic episode again sometimes. Yeah. Right? We should just change this to the satanic panic podcast. It always comes back to that. <laughs> uh, At but, least on, uh, the two, on the episodes that I'm on. Right, right, right. <laughs> Howard, uh, tell us uh, real quick about this next book you have uh, coming out, The Question and Bodies. Um, the Question and Bodies is essentially about the idea of identity horror the idea of how there and and this is something that you're particularly seeing in movies at the moment the idea of horror that's about the human self about like people and memories and gender and sexuality and all those things and how the fluid idea of the human body and the human mind are actually quite frightening things so it it deals with a lot of stuff it tends to be is quite personal um i don't know if you've read if you've read my books, you know that I tend to get quite autobiographical quite right. quickly. Um, so there's a lot of personal stuff about um, personal trauma, all that sort of thing. Um, and, you know, I deal with everything going back to things like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde mm. and the picture of Dorian Gray right up to um, um, extreme movies like Possession and um, a lot of Cronenberg. I look at J.G. Yeah. Ballard, things like that. 
Um, awesome. All the things that you'd expect me to in that. Great, great. Look forward to that. That, again, will be called The Question in Bodies. All right, so let's get to our first confession here. This is from Andy Peterson, Fort Collins, Colorado. Great city. Um, Andy Peterson's favorite uh, Colts media is Yellow Jackets. I love Yellow Jackets because right. it, it has a very mysterious, spooky atmosphere at times, visceral horror and gore, but also a bit of quirkiness. It explores very basic components of how a cult might form. Slowly, we begin to see the girls pledge loyalty to a central figure in their group, the enigmatic Lottie, who may have experienced some kind of possession, although as an audience, we aren't completely sure what is happening yet. They begin to practice rituals, believing the wilderness will protect them, and we see them forge a sort of religious code which they entrust to help them survive. Season 2 explores the ramifications of this code, as one of the survivors is now the leader of a more socially acceptable version of a cult. This is a really well-written confession, by the way. (laughs) Uh, This is juxtaposed against flashbacks to their time in the wilderness, showing the hypnotic power of belief and its often brutal outcomes. Anyway, I'm hoping there will be a Wendigo involved at some point. Oof. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that was was really well-written, Andy. They used the word juxtaposed. That's good. That that's impressive. Oh, you just throw yeah, that in. Another juxtaposition. <laughs> this is good. Yeah. Uh, are you familiar with uh, Yellow Jackets, Howard? I'm aware of it. I haven't actually managed to see. I haven't managed to see it. Yeah, yet. me I've, neither. Um, it's kind of like it's um it's quite recent. Um, Sue but, Sue, I believe, is the yeah. expert here on Yellow Jackets. Yeah, it's well. First of all, it's fantastic. You should absolutely check it out. Um, it's it's particularly dear to me because it's basically. Half it's 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 these girls uh, on a soccer team in from New Jersey in uh, 1996 high school soccer team. So whoa, uh, kind of a little bit of my wheelhouse sure, here. Sure. Not the soccer part, but you know the right. being the from Jersey, New Jersey in 1996. Right, part. and they're trapped on an <laughs> island like you were. Yeah, for but, well, you know they, they're on their way to like a tournament, and there's a plane crash, and they uh, like for for reasons never get rescued for until for like two years. Wow. Or so and uh, and, and then it goes a bit Lord of the Flies. It go, yeah, right. it, it, it right. goes. Right. It, yeah, and it, yeah. it and it and it. Is there a of, Wilson involved? Is there? A, um, I you know I believe that there is a character. There's a reference to Wilson. Well, oh, well, they used a soccer ball instead of the volleyball. Right. The, oh, right, right, right. That probably makes it was, sense. Uh, they named him Adidas, <laughs> and it didn't really quite have the good ring. Right, right. Yeah, they didn't want to do like a Run DMC tie in there. <laughs> and and it, and, it, and then it kind of you know uh, also fl- flashes to the per- present right, day right, where cool. they're all kind of dealing with like I don't know the ramifications of the trauma that they went through, and it's it's right, it's, it's yeah. extremely good and it's extremely it and it, I feel like I, I the tone I feel like they they really kind of get right because. You know, it, it's not just all grimdark stuff. Sure. You know, it's also kind of very silly. Yeah, it would know? be kind of fun in some <laughs> way. You know, like I mean, Lord of the Flies started out; they were having fun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I, anyway, I would I would highly recommend it. I haven't finished watching the second season yet, so right. uh, you know, uh, I don't. I'm not going to be able to spoil anything. But um, yeah, no, I, I feel like well, I, they, well, they clearly don't die if it has them right, as older. Right. Well, we don't know. We haven't seen any, everyone yet. Though, oh, okay. You know, so okay. anyway, um, yeah, like I, I, you're you're a huge Lord of the Flies fan. Would you would you consider like Lord of the Flies like to be a cult? Interesting, like, interesting question. Um, is, a, is a little it, bit is a cult like f- formed well, be- because you, uh, I guess is a cult the same always the same as like a religion? Well, it seems like back in the day, Not always no. It, it seems to me like back no. in the in the old timey days, was there really like a cult and a religion and a tribe were pretty much all in one, right? So, uh, I mean. Yeah, I mean, is there a difference between a cult and religion? I mean, the difference between a cult and religion really is about a hundred years. <laughs> Actually, one of one of our um, which... one of our confessors said that exact same thing in there. Right, right. but um, well, I think it's a fair point. But um, like, was was Charles Manson running a religion? Mm. Yeah, really? it's definitely <laughs> well, it's... a cult. Right. But was it religion? Mm, mm. But but like no. back in the in the old times though, what really I mean, back when your tribe consisted of about 150 people mm-hmm. and your tribe was also kind of your religious group, right? I mean, what really was the difference between a religion and a cult back then? Well, I think that like back back in extreme olden times, people typically tended to worship nature uh and then rather than like made up like you know, people like right. were, were like the god of the river 
or whatever. God of Thunder and Rock and Roll. Right. Well, yeah, yeah. quote Gene Simmons. I still worship that to this day. (laughs) Me too. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, um, you look at, you look at the very beginning of the Old Testament, what you see is what they call, what, what they call now henotheism. Which is the idea? The idea that, like the God, the God of the God of the Hebrews in the Old Testament, the God who's big, originally the God of Abraham, right? And he's the God of Abraham's people and of Abraham's tribe, and he's essentially thought of as a corn god. He's a you know he's, he's a god of nature, of fertility, and that sort of thing. Corn god? And, that's that's what Abraham started out as a corn god. Yeah, yeah. It's wow. like, well, I mean, you know, if you're living in a desert, what's right. the thing you're really going to be like praying to? Interesting. You know, and um, you're going to be praying for rain. You're going to be praying for corn. So he's a sky god because he right. supplies the rain. Sure. You know, well, I mean, what's the what's the first big story after the Garden of Eden story? What's the first big narrative? It's Noah's Ark, right? It's rain. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, now he makes it rain. You have these... Making it rain. Right, yeah. But... He's not the only god, actually, until a bit later on. He's the only god that they worship. Right, right, right. Okay. So it's a monotheism, the only, but they right. only, but they think that one guy is number one. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not really monotheism because there's all these other places, and they got gods as well. But their gods are shit. <laughs> right, right. We've got good. We've got a good god. We've right. got the only god worth worshiping. Ours is the best god, and they're all sort of there. And eventually, that evolves into the point where it's the only god. But that's actually quite relatively late. You know, I mean, you even have things like the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel, who decides to have a big miracle off on the top of the hill. Where they're all doing a sacrifice, <laughs> and he's just said, you know, make the altar burst on fire, and like the priests of Baal are all like there, and they're all like there in their robes and stuff, and they're dancing around, and Elijah's there going, you need to sing a bit louder, guys. Um, maybe he's on the toilet. <laughs> I can hear you. you know, maybe he's out. <laughs> you know, he might be out. You know, and he actually says that. It's actually in the Bible. He says maybe he's out. Maybe he's having a piss. You know, it's like. He really, really goes hard on this. And then actually, you know, he makes his little altar burst into flames. Oh, my and God. Then, and then leads them up and kills them all. That, so know, this is like, like, wow, this is like a reality competition show circa 5,000 top, top BC. God. Right, so, right. Oh. Yeah, this, I mean, to be honest, my favorite Bible miracle, my absolute <laughs> favorite Bible miracle is in the first chapter of the book of Daniel where you have all the Israelites and they're taken into captivity and all the rich ones are taken into the palace and trained up to be Babylonian officials so they can go and be colonial rulers over their own people on behalf of the Babylonians and they're in training and at one point Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego go up to the official in charge of the palace training and they're like, "Um, food's a bit rich. Can you not just have us on water and a vegetarian diet? And the official is like, oh, mate, you're going to get me in trouble. You know, you're going to get sick. You're going to get like really pasty and weak. And, and, and it's not going to be good for you guys. And then like about and then Daniel's like, leave it with us. You know, it's on us. If it doesn't work out, it's on us. Right. And then a month later, miraculously, by the providence of God, by actual magic, God magic, they're in better shape than the guys that have been eating cakes <laughs> what? <and> what? <laughs> what? Yeah, that's that's and... an endorsement for veganism if I've ever heard one. Yeah, right. They're, they're actually good. Well, sake. I'll tell you. I'll tell you guys. So they're I feel like the carbs. This is we're getting, this is a little off topic, but Howard, would you agree? I get the sense that a lot of the Old Testament is a metaphor for the the man's kind of moving away from hunter gathering and into agriculture. A lot of documents of that era are mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, I mean, you could. I mean, the the Old Testament's a big long document. There's thirty nine books in the version of the old testament that protestant churches read okay and if you're greek orthodox there's another 15 or so oh, man let's so go baby of, uh, kind of shout out to jimmy's right? religion over there <laughs> yeah right oh, yeah um were you pissed is, you off know, about the, that the, as a teenager the old testament like right no good stuff some of them are great actually some some of those are the best ones. leviticus is just a tax code 
That's all it is. Yeah, that's the thing. So much of the the Old Testament Leviticus is just lists. Is dull, <laughs> it doesn't surprise right? me. It's just all. Yeah, of, no, I mean, I yeah mean, there's like the homophobia and then tax code. Yeah, and, and then cubits. Lots yeah, of yeah, stuff cubits. on cubits. Yeah, gotta have cubits. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, except, well, love a cubit. It's about it's yeah. about eighteen inches. I was um, joking with my but, my Jewish friend the other day. Like, you guys follow this. Like, it's it says in the Old Testament, wear leather shoes on this holiday. You wear the leather shoes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Christians, we're just like uh, we'll take the homophobia stuff and everything else. It's yeah. just kind of symbolic. You guys you know? can live eight hundred years yeah. if you want. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, but yeah, the first five books, the Torah, you know, is actually about that kind of thing right and then you have the sort of sequel to that which is the book of joshua and the book of judges which is about them starting to set up a civilization in a specific spot Mm. rather than being nomads and then you get into history books and then you get your poetry and your prophecy and your mystic stuff Huh. Like, um, like that batshit bit of Ezekiel, where he basically gave us the song "Dem Bones." Um, <laughs> really? Yeah, no, no, no. The um, the song "Dem Bones." The Allison Chains um, version or the uh, classic <laughs> one? <laughs> oh, "Dem Bones," "Dem Bones," right. "Dem Dry Bones." Ezekiel goes into a valley. Uh, in, Ezekiel goes into a valley full of dry bones, and God says, "Prophesy to the bones," and he does, and they get up, and the foot bone connects what? to the ankle bone, and the ankle bone connects to the knee bone. Wow. And that's like an old 19th century spiritual. It You're making the Bible seem way interesting. Yeah. You're making me want to read this. Well, <laughs> where can I get one of these? Where can, where can I find a copy of the Bible? Like, Church? Yeah, I mean, but that's the thing, right? That's the thing, right? People don't read the fun, weird bits. Yeah. Right, right. Or even, even like the problematic, terrifying bits. Oh, yeah. Like the... the... Like, I, I mean, this is, this is actually where we get a comparison really with david ike and the reptile stuff right right because david ike has got his weird conspiracy theories about how lizards from outer space are guiding human evolution and there and he's 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 made himself popular by basically tying that in with anti-semitism so made it the same thing by basically sort of meshing the two together. But the thing about aliens from outer space guiding human evolution is boilerplate New Age belief going back to the late 19th century. Huh. But I mean, they don't like to talk about it. Right. Interesting. And a lot of New Agers are into, you know, they'll talk about angels. Sure. They'll talk about um, people from, cat people from Sirius sending stuff down, right? But you don't hear so much about that because a lot of religions have the stuff that they don't like to talk about so much unless they're in the american south um, <laughs> yeah. in which case you i know it's like of all the things that you could skip museum. over it's yeah. like <laughs> another an- another uh, great depiction of that would probably be true the first season of true detective yeah let's say yeah. The, the right which uh, yeah which is actually it's based on there's a lot of references to robert chambers's book the king in yellow yellow, yeah yeah. okay in true detective um which was one of hp lovecraft's favorite books as well which is why people go oh that's lovecraft it's like no it's about stuff right right right. um or or hp lovecraft what a guy or as i like to call him (laughs) the other howard um, <laughs> yeah, we've done uh, Lovecraft episodes before. That's another yeah, one where yeah, you have to just H- skip yeah. over certain things with Lovecraft as well in regards to his uh, old-timey racism and, uh, you know. I, I mean, I, th- I think the thing is, the thing about Lovecraft is that he was racist even for the 1920s. Exactly. That's yeah. exactly when, the when, point. When, that's exactly the point we made on the show. Like, he wasn't just, like, 1920s yeah. racist. He was extra 1920s racist. <laughs> yeah. But all the I rest mean, of his stuff is brilliant. Lich- literally wrote in a letter to robert e howard who's not exactly the most progressive of writers either robert e howard's the conan guy 
he uh-huh. writes a letter to him basically saying, oh, well, you know, I'm not sure about that Hitler guy's methods, but my heart's with him. Uh, you know? His heart's in the right place. Oh. And, yes. and, you know, and you've got Robert E., <laughs> Conan the Barbarian, <laughs> Aryan <laughs> Superman Howard, right, right. back to him going steady on, Howard. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's, uh, there's know, one Lovecraft story. On. <laughs> there's one Lovecraft story where, like, the, the M. Night Shyamalan horrible twist at the end is that the girl finds out her grandmother was black. That like Medusa's that's coils. <laughs> yes. It's called Medusa's coils. All right, you can find that on HPLovecraft.com for free. <laughs> hey, how really want to read it? Hey, Howard, can I ask you a question? Um, Go on. you seem to know a whole lot about the Bible. Um, that's because I spent several years in evangelicalism. Oh man, when I was younger, I I, I read I read that in your book. I, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that. Uh, with regard oh, to <laughs> right, well. Okay, so my personal experience is kind of weird in that, um, obviously, you've got to realize that in the UK, going back to the 1980s especially, Christianity's dying on its ass. okay? Mm. It's like not like the vital cultural force it is in the USA. Mm. Um, evangelicalism in the UK was a very different thing in the 1970s and 1980s, and then since the 1990s is basically just taken its lead from America and Australia, where the two most powerful evangelical movements are, right? Really? Australia? Fact, yeah, sense. no, the biggest church in Australia is called Hillsong, um, which has branches across the US. Wow. Um, Chris Pratt is a member of Hillsong. Oh. That's his church. He goes to an Australian church. So, yeah. Man, I've heard of Korean um, Christian churches and not Australian. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, the Koreans, that's just like another world entirely. Anyway, um, I got to bear in mind that my parents were a spiritualist medium and um, an occasional sort of practicing but not really ritual magician. What? And so I grew up in a house surrounded by the paraphernalia of the occult and also things which were really, really not occult. They were real. Um, and, and, and actually true religion because, because mum hated the word occult, right? Sure. <laughs> um, and so wow. I grew up and gotta be honest, not the happiest of childhood for lots of reasons, but that meant that in my teens, I rebelled hard against my parents by going to a church youth group. Oh, man. You sure they weren't using reverse psychology on you that whole time to get you into Christianity? Well, yeah. Well, I mean, by the time I got to uni, um, when I got to university, I basically found myself vulnerable alone with a lot of secondhand and firsthand trauma yeah. from things that I'd experienced in my early life yeah. and at school and all sorts right. of stuff. I'm at uni and I fall into the orbit of the University Christian Union. Right. And... University Christian unions in the UK are basically controlled by an organization called the Universities and Colleges Christian Fellowship, which is the single most conservative mainstream Christian organization in the United Kingdom. It's the only Christian organization in the United Kingdom that is on a par with something like the Southern Baptist Convention, Mm. Uh but is still not as extreme as that. Um, so was this was this apparent I, going in? You know, when you first, they don't they don't tell you about the like political agenda going in. I'm sure, right? Well, you've got to bear in mind also that in the 1990s, the political agenda for evangelicals in the UK was not exactly the same. We were 20 years behind the US. Mm-hmm. So in the night in the US, before you have Ronald Reagan basically getting the moral majority and the Christian coalition on side, evangelicals kept out of politics. Mm. Right, yeah. Largely. And then Ronnie Reagan basically decides that actually what he's going to do is he's going to get the televangelists and the Southern Baptists and all those sorts of things. Mm. And you get you get Pat Robinson. Oh yeah. Um <sighs> who at the time of recording has recently shuffled off this mortal coil and is probably barbecuing. <laughs> and <laughs> Jimmy Swagger, those sorts of people, and gets them on side and basically by adopting certain social issues that evangelicals are concerned about, like abortion, like gay people, (laughs) like AIDS and stuff like that, um, 
basically makes evangelicals and republicans the same thing right right and so you know now 40 odd years later you know evangelical christians basically ride or die mm-hmm. as republicans don't they really for sure you know if you're if you're a white evangelical you're a republican yeah if you're a black evangelical you might be a democrat yeah yeah there's a lot of but that. because but that's because of other issues that are going on so in the UK, in the 1990s, evangelicals stayed out of politics. By now, there aren't actually enough evangelicals in the UK to make a splash on politics. And when a politician comes out as evangelical, as um, Tim Farron, the former leader of the Liberal Democrat Party, recently um, went on Twitter basically saying he believed in a six-day creation <gasps> and that the Bible was all true <sighs> and uh, was widely laughed at, right. widely Thank mocked. Thank goodness. Thank goodness for that. Um, because, I, I mean, yeah, but, I, you know, Mike Pence believes that. <laughs> he was the vice president of the USA. You know, um, so I didn't really have the politics. I just, like, basically had a bunch of people who essentially were, like, where your friends were your real friends. Right. Yeah, so you always talk about that. How like in a situation like that, you could see yourself joining a, a sure, church. Sure, sure. Like sure. the same thing with like AA and, and things like that is like you know when you're in a vulnerable place and you feel alone and you want community. And and I mean you know, they talk about that. They talk about reaching out to people who are broken, who mm-hmm. need mm-hmm. the love, mm-hmm. you know, and all that sort of thing. It's very. And you know, I became part of an evangelical church. I was. Essentially, because I was one of the very rare actual converts, I got wheeled out to talk about my amazing conversion story and that sort of thing. Um, You know, um, full disclosure, I do still go to a church, but I go to a church that lets queer people like me in it. Yeah. And actually, one of the reasons that I couldn't be evangelical. Yeah, there's lots of those around here. Yeah, one of the reasons I couldn't continue to be evangelical um, mm. was because actually realizing that straight people exist and that actually <laughs> straight straight people don't actually often look at a member of the same sex and think, yeah. Um, so, <laughs> well. so, so, you know, and actually actual straight people. <laughs> hell. Let's get to our next confession here. This one is actually from an anonymous, someone who would not like to be identified, in case you didn't know what anonymous means, Sue. <laughs> hmm. uh, try to remember that. Their uh, cult media uh, that they enjoyed was Under the Banner of Heaven because it features my great something or another grandfather. All video family videos are so cute. It's about the 1980s murder of a Mormon woman by her respected turned radical polygamist in-laws. It also flash, oh. flashes back to when the Mormon pioneers went out to Utah and features John Taylor, my aforementioned ancestor. He was the third prophet of the Mormon church after Joseph Smith and Brigham Young, who was so unfortunately named. <laughs> the series was inspired by a book that covered the murder of the looniness of her in-laws, who, of course, I am very distantly related to. I'm also very distantly related to Mitt Romney because, of course, everyone is related to each other in Utah. Wow. So, Under the Banner of Heaven, I watched that, and it was horrifying. Did I watch that? No, I told you about it 25 times, and you were like, I don't like shows. Oh, okay. Uh, well, if Howard, if Howard tells me it's okay, then I'll watch it. <laughs> Just ask the man. Ask the man. <laughs> I, I've not actually seen on the banner, Under the Banner of Heaven either, actually. <laughs> this, is, this is a big, big, big media fail for me. I think are you gonna, you're just going to name a whole bunch of stuff I haven't seen. Oh, that's story. how it goes. That's um, all right. Yeah, but I mean, I mean um, yeah, you hear stuff. I've got a very close friend who lived in Utah for some years and witnessed all sorts of weird stuff over there. Um, like, for example, you'd have like some of the radical polygamists who occasionally would just take the little boys that were among the vast numbers of children they had and drive them in a bus to Salt Lake City or another city in Utah and dump them there. Mm-hmm. Dump them there? <laughs> yeah. On the street. Like stray yeah. dogs or something. Just leave them. Wow, this, this sounds pretty. I feel like Mormons are usually pretty soft, like in their their <laughs> lifestyle. I didn't know they're doing Fight Club kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. 
And the reason, well, no, the reason they did that was because you don't, when you've got radical polygamists, when you've got guys who've got like 20 or 30 wives, right? You have to <laughs> have significantly more women. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're saying they dump them there. You have to have yes. men. They, they dump them there to to die or like to, or, yeah, yeah well to be picked up by social services what yeah that is bonkers no, this, is re- this is for real they Mike. still do this they just this, don't this want people really in their so it's, it's yeah. basically hansel and gretel style they're just leaving them out there without a trail of breadcrumbs yeah. for the yeah. trail of juice boxes yeah. back how is that how is that legal can't the kids say it's i not, know my first name is david take legal. me home <laughs> it's not legal and this right? still happens it's not legal it still happens, but you do occasionally get every so often you hear about one of these polygamist guys who eventually gets arrested and sent to prison for it. I would hope so. You know, it does happen. Dropping and off I a bus. Or do they tell them they're going to like Disneyland or something? <laughs> oh my God. I have no idea. We're gonna need to. We're gonna need to do some but, further research. Some yeah, dance. Actually, actually, my favorite Utah story is my friend Sue, who is that's my name dude one of my dearest friends she um other dear friends she lived in utah for a while and one time she's at um a junction and she gets tailgated by a car while she stopped at a junction and the young man who gets out of the car gets out apologizes profusely takes full responsibility and calls the cops on himself wow wow because Honesty is so heavily sure. instilled in good Mormon boys. Right. Honesty right. and obedience is instilled in good Mormon boys ah. so heavily that this boy immediately did the right thing. Right. By his like thing. And you know, she's just like, there you go, this never happened to be in California. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You like, know, I actually had that in, in Baltimore once. Somebody hit my mom and he immediately was like, I'm so sorry. I you know and we were like, Well, we appreciate your honesty. We're not gonna uh, you know, we're we're not gonna do anything beyond the, the what you you know need to fix this little thing because you're really right. cool, you know. Well, I think that, yeah, yeah. I well, did, but he did not call the cops on himself. <laughs> well, no, we didn't need to call the cops. It's just a little fender bender. We're like, just pay for it. I did that once too when I like I like nudged into a guy and I was like, here, uh, take a picture of my license so you know who I am, and I'm gonna send you a check for whatever it costs. You know. Are you secretly Mormon? In a way, I do. I do appreciate like how nice and honest they are. You know, they seem like nice insurance? people. I guess not. Um, they what? Do Mormons need insurance if they're just that nice? You know. <laughs> well, I don't think that's completely the <laughs> point <laughs> of insurance. Honesty, actually, like, <laughs> that the honesty of Mormons actually um, sometimes causes other problems because more, uh, Utah is the United States center for affinity fraud. Affinity which fraud. What's is that? Yeah. the practice where you will go to a social group and become a member of a group like a church or a social club or something, a golf club, a country club, whatever, and get to know people and make friends with them and then give them a surefire financial thing oh, really? that they will do. And, and Mormons... <sighs> Fall for it every time you go to the church. Oh, so go there for a while. Oh, so if you want to rip someone and off, then the you Mormons take them are... for every penny you will oh, because they'll okay. trust you. Yeah. Um, and actually, I mean, you know, it's not just Mormons. I mean, like the 2008 financial crash was kicked off by Bernie Madoff, uh-huh, uh-huh. who yeah, was it's... Jewish, mm-hmm. a Jewish millionaire who basically based his entire pyramid scheme, his Ponzi scheme, on ripping off. Jewish investors. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Did he use like his religion as a common ground for them? Like, well, so yeah. I mean, it's all. He, I, I mean, he, uh, one one of his victims was a Holocaust survivor charity. Oh my! I think I did hear about that actually. It's disgusting. Do you think that guy you was know? a sociopath? Acor- uh, according I think, to him, I think, well, I mean, yeah. the be to some extent. Well, he, he's. I've heard that he said that he he hated himself, and he's like glad he's in jail, and that he feels a hundred times better now that it's all over. Then maybe, then maybe he's well, not good a, for him. 100% sociopath. <laughs> I mean, you can't, but... a normal person can get addicted to, like, yeah. you know, the, to money or, you know, like, it can happen. You know, we all have a little bit of selfishness in us. Not me. <laughs> You're completely <laughs> selfless completely all the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, so, I mean, going back to the thing, I, I spent some years in evangelicalism. I worked for an evangelical minister who was a celebrity on the charismatic scene for some mm. for a while in in the uk um, 
in the well in the uk in mm. the, which is obviously much smaller but this is just at the point where they were basically going you know there's americans and australians right they've really got a good idea of how to run these things mm. so they're starting to do it along sure. the side. I worked for some years at a sure. at the biggest evangelical convention right. in the United Kingdom, which is called Spring Harvest, oh. which essentially takes over. That sounds very a, uh, pagan yeah. to me. It's weird, it's weird, isn't it? It takes over a holiday man. resort. Yeah, was there the was there a wicker man? Weeks, <laughs> were you worried they were trying to lure you into a wicker man type situation? <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> oh, it always comes back to blood folklore, doesn't it? Of all you the know, people I, I thought would be offended by a Wicker Man reference, Howard, come on! <laughs> oh yeah, no, I'm, I, you got you got to bear in mind that for the last five years since we don't go back, I'm about to get stop. nude and do that blonde lady Wildly dance where she smacks successful. on the walls. <laughs> yeah. Every so often, and this still happens, someone will come to me and go. Is this movie folk horror? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 well, bless their heart. I'll tell you, though, folk horror is a little... It, it, I really didn't know what it was until relatively recently. Mm -hmm. And it's a little iffy. Yeah. I mean, what counts as folk horror? You know, obviously, Wicker Man is the, is the Citizen Kane of folk horror, I think. Mm -hmm. You got your Midsommar. Yes. What, what else would you count as folk horror within? All, all that 70s stuff with the blood on Satan's claw mm -hmm. and everything. What, what are some... You, just, you, a real one, well, one quick, one quick folk horror question, and then I swear to God, I'll never talk to you All about right, it again. Okay, okay. What's what's one movie that you that people don't think of as folk horror that you would consider folk horror? One movie that people don't think of as folk horror that I would consider folk horror: Get Out. Okay, sure. No, what? It's like, the American Wicker Man. Really? I feel like that was like a no. I, I feel it, like that was a mad scientist. You know what? You movie. know what? You know what? I I I wouldn't have thought of Get Out as folk horror, but as you describe it, the American Wicker Man, I'm I'm with it. But do you know what? why it's folk horror particularly? Because there's a bit two thirds of the way through where the main spoilers to anybody who's listening, you can like to if you if you want to watch Get Out and you haven't seen it, um, just mute this for the next two minutes. <laughs> um, there's a bit about two thirds of the way through where Daniel Kaluuya's character, Chris, is strapped to a chair and he's made to watch an informational video, an mm -hmm. infomercial right. about mm -hmm. what's going to be done with him. But it ends with suddenly the words, behold the coagula, which is Western ceremonial magic. That's mm. a line from Eliphar Levy, 19th century Western ceremonial magician. And what's happening is that they're actually doing magic the brain surgery stuff doesn't make sense the more you think about it unless you actually right. realize that what jordan peele is doing is he's saying that white people will think any old hoo-ha is believable if you call it science interesting but it's magic because it's the only way it can work and hmm. there is an Right in the middle of it. Behold the coagula. It's magic. They're a magic cult. They're witches. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. What do you think about that, Sue? So I was I was thinking um, the connection to the Wicker Man was more like how you like get somebody to go there willingly. Um, uh, oh, there's and, that too. You know, <laughs> there's like, all of that. It's like out of nature. There's, there's, it's like... And there's kind of all of these like I guess conditions that have to be met for you to be like the right kind of victim or sacrifice or whatever. Yeah. You know, and maybe they had like made up their own ones. You mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Yeah. So, but I guess no, I think I that's actually true as well. That's actually true as well. That's absolutely why it's folk horror because of that. All right. But it's also because it's occult as well. Okay. Okay. I'll take that. I'll take it. Well, judges. <laughs> all right. We'll, right. we'll let it. I like it. <laughs> I like it. All right. Uh, let's move Sustain. on. This is our last uh, confession. Uh, we'll have plenty of time to talk afterward. This is from Lauren Axrod, Los Angeles, California. You ever heard of uh, Los Angeles? Hi, Lauren. The, the angels. <laughs> the angels. Yes. Oof. <laughs> uh, I guess that's some sort of religious community yeah. called Alpha <laughs> Yeah. It's cult. Uh, Lauren likes Martha Marcy May Marlene. So good. Oh, I says. love that movie. All right. It's so good. Now, You're, this is the one that, that I haven't seen. So. Uh, let me finish the confession <laughs> here. Easy, easy. It wasn't just the casting, but it showed me easily how easily it is for young people to get drawn into a cult due to confusion about what they want in life, Howard, and the demand 
of what society expects of them. I almost got sucked into one of those, but thankfully I asked too many questions and got kicked out. LOL. (laughs) Yeah, I've been there. Definitely been there. (laughs) Have you been? Yeah, yeah. Solidarity, Lauren. (laughs) Have you been sucked into, uh, besides the evangelical one, have you had any cult? uh... Well, I mean, it's, it's sort of easy to sort of find yourself in groups of people. You know, you get internet forums back in the day. Mm -hmm. I'm old enough to remember internet forums. Um, You have like, um, (laughs) I'm old enough to remember instant messenger. Um, (laughs) You you have like, I mean, it's easy enough to do that you find yourself like into these groups of people who start developing into a kind of group think. And it's only really in the last 15 years or so that I've really sort of like noticed that tendency in myself and Mm -hmm. decided to like stay the hell away from it Mm -hmm. and to spot the red flags Mm. as well of which there are many you can spot in lots of things, even, even, you know, among people who you might otherwise think of politically on your side, Mm -hmm. you might find people who you just think, I'm not liking the way that you're treating people who are in your orbit. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. There's a certain extremeness that it's easy to fall into. And I think that I, I hesitate to say lucked out, but I had a certain, well, I think because I got into evangelicalism before realizing that I wasn't the sort of person who was welcome in evangelicalism Mm. for various various reasons. Because of that, there was always going to be me there going i think one of the most um one of the sea changes for me was someone giving me a book about the christian response to the question of human sexuality Hmm. and it was a very thoughtful serious book by um by a christian writer called john stott who in the british sort of like scene is widely regarded as one of the one of the respectable conservative christian writers Mm -hmm. you know not a nutcase not extreme and he gave all the arguments for why christianity should accept gay and trans people right and then refuted them Uh, one by one in the book Mm -hmm. but because he gave the arguments accurately and properly because he felt that you couldn't refute them unless you actually took the actual arguments i got to read all the other arguments and i found them more convincing than his refutation Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, wow so it actually basically convinced me of the opposite thing wow do you think it's possible he was trying to do that like covertly you know that was like a no no, (laughs) there's no double agent going on (laughs) well maybe he he infiltrated yeah that never really happens Um, i mean that was a sea change for me right right. moment in my life let me ask you guys this all right uh, Sue and Jimmy are aware, uh, Howard is not, that I, I, I started a, a little group called uh, a support group for depression and anxiety where we eat cereal. And it's been relatively successful for someone like me. We have like weekly meetings. We have, you know, just, just a community has grown out of it. You know, we, we help each other. We share things. How do I avoid becoming a cult leader? And, sh- <laughs> and should I avoid becoming a cult leader? <laughs> this first question needs to come first. Yeah. <laughs> or right. the second question. Yeah, you're right. There might be some, some uh, unneeded. Uh... Um, I think um, if you keep, uh, if you, if you, when you start asking for money, right? I think that is maybe a thing. <laughs> right. right? We've, we have very solid rules about that in right. the group. Uh, when you start uh, demanding that um, everyone like is married to you, I think that's kind of a red flag. <laughs> that was quite a jump there, Sue. It <laughs> starts with the money. <laughs> right, right. So you're saying my cereal brides right. are not. Okay. <laughs> I think if you become the most important thing in the group, right, right, rather yeah. than the group itself, yeah, yeah, and if your opinion becomes more important than other people's opinions, and you're not willing mm-hmm. to listen to people, right, yeah, then you know, and you're willing to kick somebody out based on what you think. Uh huh. We have had to kick a few and you people do, out, but right. it's it's more like because they're getting creepy or they're like you know, 
It's always a great. We have yeah. like a we have a little council too. We have a sacred order, the, the cereal bowl council. <laughs> oh, that's good. That doesn't sound culty at all. <laughs> no, that doesn't sound culty at all. I mean, obviously, obviously, you know, if it's one, the but I mean, you know, if you're going to have a cult based on cereal, it's going to be a cult. <laughs> right. If you like, I mean, I mean, you know, as long as you don't eat Lucky Charms, you're fine. <laughs> oh yeah, I didn't think oh, about yeah, the like... pagan origins of Lucky Charms, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Or the monster cereals, you know, right, right, the right. chocolate. Stay away from the, the booberry. All the uh, <laughs> all the ones that have the public domain uh, monsters <laughs> right, names yeah. attached to them, though. Although Kellogg's cornflakes. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. By a guy who ran a cult. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't that to, like, temper uh, kids' sexual yeah, desires? Yeah, I think it was, like, to make you stop masturbating. Oh, yeah, ma- masturbating. Like, stop masturbating. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, helpful tip. It did not work for me as a child. <laughs> Too really much information. Cornflakes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. Well, okay. What's uh, before we wrap up? Let's let's get Sue and uh, Howard's. What's what's your favorite uh, media when it comes to cults? So, you know, I think that like, um, I when when somebody says cult a cult in a movie, I just can't go help but go right to Mandy. I love Mandy. Yeah, you know totally. um, that might be my number one too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that is a great movie. Yeah. It's like what if. What if Charles Manson didn't get caught? Right, right, right. And, and and like and like the thing is like of course the uh, I just uh, I just love everything I love everything about that movie. I try to describe to people why I love it, and mm. I can't. Yeah, and it's all atmosphere. Yeah, it's so mostly it's, atmosphere. It's, yeah, and and it's it's it. It's, I mean, you just say I cannot to people, put the, don't I, be negative. I cannot put the vibes into words, you know. But right, um, right. But I I do love that kind yeah. of like the inflection point of that movie is jeremiah the cult leader for once not getting what he wants right right right? yeah which just that is i feel like you know when when not to tie not to mention folk art right but like (laughs) but like an outsider comes and and like tries to screw something up you know yeah. what I mean? And like, no, it seems like no one has ever stood up to Jeremiah before. Right. And it's all with her. It all starts with her laughing, which yeah. is like an amazing yeah. scene. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's crazy that that's like the thing. Right. That like, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, he's like there and he's basically going, do you like the Carpenters? Yeah. Of course she's going to laugh at him. It's the greatest music ever made. It's, it's the terrific. Carpenters. It's terrific. Um, terrific. But yeah, I, 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 yeah, no, I think that's a great movie. I think it's fantastic. Have you seen the um, other movie that yeah. Thanos Cosmetics yeah. did? Because uh, they're both set in the same universe. Are they really? Uh, uh, that's well. what I was thinking. That it might be. The, they, both like... start with, they both start by being set in 1983 AD. AD. Oh yeah, wow. and that's and it's it's very they're, they're set in the same, the other uh, film's called Beyond the Black Rainbow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched it once. I'll have to watch it again. To be honest, I I was I loved the trailer for that movie. That's one of my favorite trailers I've ever seen in my life. But uh, I I was a little disappointed with the movie from what I remember. Uh, I I I quite liked it. We we watched it together. I only saw it once. Um, I and I was one of the movies that like I need to watch this again as soon as possible. Yeah. Um, one of the two commonalities I think. Uh, that I noticed, maybe this is just like this guy's like director trademark, right? Is like the um, looking uh, like a man looking at like a middle aged woman with like just such contempt and disgust. Oh, interesting. You know, like it's like I don't know. Yeah, Jeremiah and that, and you know the middle aged right. woman yeah. who I guess was probably used to be the his Mandy, and now right, she's like, right. you know, it's interesting. Um. To compare, he did one episode of Guillermo del Toro's mm-hmm. Cabinet of Curiosities yeah, as well. It. I didn't see that. And it's that. again, again, it's very much in the same style and completely different from the others in that respect. Yeah, so yeah, Mandy, um, don't be negative. <laughs> it's a fantastic <laughs> movie. I got to tell you though, the third act, I feel like it falls off a little bit. Of Mandy, it gets a little boring. Well, yeah, it's it's. I feel like all the potencies in the first seriously? two. It's a it's a fun. Well, it's I, fun I, to I watch them. The they the fight with their chainsaw the dicks. <laughs> you know what? You know what? The bit where he like attacks a guy with a chainsaw yeah. and the other guy goes at him with a bigger chainsaw. Yeah, I right. mean, and I'm sitting here thinking, of, why does nobody pull a gun? <laughs> why is there no gun happening oh, here? Like, yeah. Um. But but no, I, I do think the first half of the movie is better than the second half. Yeah, but the too. second half of the movie is just so completely bonkers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's fun, uh, but it's just not as compelling so as good. the first parts. So yeah, yeah, I think so. So what's your as your number me, one when it comes to cult movies about ooh, cults, Howard? Well. 
we mentioned Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene, which is a movie I keep going to over and over again, and I would highly recommend. I've never seen um, it. But actually, one I was thinking of, really, is actually a TV series that ran for a few years between about 2016 and 2018 on H- HBO, I think it was. Mm-hmm. It was called The Path. The Path. And it, the path or the path the path if, if, you know the path <laughs> and it's about um it's about an organ about a religious organizer it stars um oh the guy who played brian cranston's sidekick in breaking bad whose name jesse Aaron. yeah the guy who played jesse in breaking bad uh, um it's it? the main character yeah, he's great though. and and michelle monahan and hugh dancy's in it as well and they essentially are a cult that is getting to the point where it's trying to figure out whether it can be a legitimate religion over and it runs for three seasons hmm. aaron paul and aaron paul. it's essentially yeah that guy um essentially it's scientology oh. right in the first season except obviously in order not to get sued they actually have characters at least once in each season literally say the words but of course we're not the scientologists (laughs) meaningful look to camera Um, but they are right they are the scientologists okay and it's about how you have the first season had this wonderful arc where one of the characters is having doubts and he knows that if his doubts get known, he's going to be ejected from his enti- and lose his entire family, mm. right? And he is willing to admit to having cheated on his wife with someone, which he didn't do, mm. and spend a week being locked in solitary confinement and being drugged and made to go through all sorts of auditing procedures, rather than actually admit to having doubts oh my god wow and it's full of stuff like that it's full of stuff like you know recruiting like so for instance there's um because it started in 2016 right and so you've got an area that's like new orleans Uh that's just been hit by a tornado and they turn up in their buses with their t-shirts with food and aid and blankets and stuff before the federal Disaster group turn up. They get there first, and you know have people in camps and get to like give them all the stuff and then give them the literature and things like that. And you see all these Mm -hmm. things that they do, and it's fantastic. Um, Partly because a lot of this stuff, you know, they've clearly it's clearly written by someone who's actually read up, by who's actually thought about this stuff, who's like read. a lot of stuff from the Sun Young Moon play- playbook. Because mm-hmm. uh, Reverend Moon yeah. actually is the writer about how you brainwash someone. Wow. Because he's basically a Bond villain, right? He wow. basically describes how you brainwash My people God. and how you keep them in. He coined the phrase love bombing. Really? Wow. So it was written with a positive connotation. Deliberately to do. See, that's what you got to keep violent words like bombing out of you. <laughs> wow. So that I, was a. I, I, yeah. It's interesting that when now that Moon's died, there's something like three different organizations calling themselves the Unification Church, each written by run by a different member of his family. Mm. And they all say that they're the real Moonies. Wow. It's like it's <laughs> like the Beach Boys. Yeah. There's yeah, always yeah, like three like different Beach Boys, versions. Or, or like or LA or Guns. Like the goth band Christian Death as well. There's two bands called Christian oh, is there? Death. Um Yeah. <laughs> there's two LA um, Guns as well, as we all know. Everyone knows yeah. that. <laughs> but yeah, so you have this yeah, so The Path is a fantastic show. It ran for three seasons. It was on HBO. No, it wasn't on HBO. It was on Hulu, okay. of all things. So mm. I cannot... It is yeah. It is unbelievable to me that I don't know about this show. I know. This is, There's I, just I have, so much I out there I have fallen now. down on the job. I need to watch this I immediately. Know, I've written like... it in my um, little it's, book. It's like the closest thing to being in a cult other than actually joining one. Okay. Right. So it's it's really absolutely cracking, mm. cracking stuff. Cracking. And that means well good. Worth it. Okay, that's yeah. That's sorry, good and, sorry. I'm, <laughs> sorry. A bit of, I don't, bit of I don't speak British. There. 
I don't speak yeah, British I English. <laughs> Sue Sue knows all. She's Sports a and press. Let me ask you this, Sue. What? Uh, Sue is the language expert over here. Uh, based on Howard's accent, can you tell what part of Britain oh, he's from? Oh God! I, you know what? I've been trying. I've been trying the, this 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 whole time, and uh, the all only I can thing tell I is he's not from not, Jack the Ripper not, country. Is, is not is just not very northern. I'm not northern. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't know. Like home counties, I would say. Am I like, getting a no? Oh, no. Right. I spent the um, first 18 years of my life in the southwest. Okay. In the far southwest. Like Devon, in Plymouth, like, or so. uh, Plymouth. Okay. In Plymouth, Devon. Um, and then I have lived the rest, the last um, nearly 30 years. I have lived in Wales. Really? So oh, I cool. have. I, 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 when I go, the rare like occasions Jonah. I go back to Plymouth, they tell me that I sound like I'm Welsh. Um, <laughs> but people in Wales do not think that I sound like I'm Welsh. But I have an accent that's, I've been told, has been difficult to place. Huh, yeah. Because I, so, I feel like I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have necessarily guessed like the West Country because you don't sound like a hobbit. You know? <laughs> oh, the hobbits sound Irish, though. Oi, Mr. Frodo. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, oh, can I carry you, Mr. Frodo? Um, yeah. No, I mean, I mean, yeah, the West Country. I mean, down, 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 like where I grew up, it's all, uh, or right, you're right. So right. it's all pirate talk. Okay, sure, sure. Pirates. All, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, so some oh, people pronounce yeah. their R's like real hard. In in, in in like is that where the British R thing? thing comes from with the I pirates? I think so. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No. 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 Yeah, yeah. I mean, Long John Silver. Yeah. Long John Silver and like, I care down Treasure there as well. Island. But like the they, queen, they, they're from Bristol. But like the queen doesn't say R ever, right? She'd be like, ah. Oh. No. Oh, yeah, right, no. The right. southwest of England, we have hard R's, right? Right. Jim lad, and all that. But yeah, I mean, um, Plymouth's most famous historical figure is a pirate. So nice. Which one? You know, uh, Francis Drake. Oh, oh right. Okay. okay. Cool. He, he was um he, he was he was a legit pirate. He was um he started out as a pirate and then got given a job by the British government to pirate all he liked as long as it was on Spanish people. <laughs> well, isn't that just called war yeah. at that point? Like, it's basically yeah. Like well, <laughs> yeah, but it's not. There's not a declaration of war because he's a pirate. Right. 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 They've just given him a license that right. they won't stop him pirating as long as he just pirates against Spanish people. <laughs> so he like heads down to Spain, sacks a few coastal ports, wow. all that sort of thing. Wow, that's crazy. kind of like in goes to Virginia, sets up a colony, you know. But yeah, yeah. So wow. Francis Drake, absolute. <laughs> Absolute legend, absolute legend. Like the gun trace task force here in, in, in Baltimore. Oh, okay. You know what They're I mean? Like, you can basically rob whoever you want, you know, sure. as, right, yeah. you know, as long yeah. as you kick back to the to certain cops. Yeah. You know? yeah. Boom. Anyway. Well, that's a little different. <laughs> All right. looks like time's running out for us. Uh, Howard, do you ever come over here to the States? I'm actually going to be coming to visit in um, August, um, July, August. I'm what part? I'm going to see some people in New York. Cool. Oh, okay. New That's York. not too far from us. Yes, I, I do actually have. Um, I do actually have a close friend in Baltimore as well. You we should oh, visit okay. them so, too, and then be our friends. Yeah, absolutely. It's getting a little parasocial. <laughs> real quick. It's a pretty. It's a pretty but, small yeah, city. It's very possible that we know your friends. To be honest. <laughs> anyway. Um. All right. Well, uh, you want to do uh, some more? Uh, just, just give us, tell us again where where we can find you and, and your books and everything. Okay, you can find me on room two hundred seven press dot com or patreon dot com slash Howard David Ingham. And the next um, book is called The Question Embodies. The Question Embodies, which okay. should eventually be out. I've very nearly finished it. All I need to do is some writing about twins creepy twins Ooh. and then i'm done oh i love the silent um, twins story you know the I, silent I, twins i sort of like but no i'm looking at um i i decided that i was going to do an obscure british movie called brothers of the head which you've probably not seen but it's a punk movie so you should see it oh okay yeah. um, um <laughs> i'm into that the recent remake of dead ringers haven't and also haven't seen that yet a recent James Wan horror film, Ooh. which I'm not going to name because the knowledge that there's a twin in it is actually a massive spoiler. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, All right. All but right. it was. Uh, you know, it um, was. You know, it was shocking to me in in weird true crime uh, crossovers. Who was that horrible British guy that with the children that had the show? 
uh, Jimmy Savile. Jimmy Savile. Apparently Jimmy he Savile. apparently he went after the Silent Twins at some point. Oh shit! Which is a total like Jason versus Freddy uh, <laughs> kind of true crime crossover. Um, it turns out that like a whole bunch of beloved family entertainers from the 1980s and 70s, from my childhood, turned out to be nonces, mm. as we say in the UK. Nancy's? Um, recent... no, nonces. Oh, a nonce. It um, means a like nonces. a pedo. Okay. It's a ped. A pedo, yeah. which means it's a, a pedo. Okay. <laughs> of course. Yeah, um, right. yeah. a pedophile. Right, right, yes. there we go. Um, so, uh, Let's get a flag. Recently... <laughs> Recently, yet another beloved family entertainer Who? of my youth. Who? Barney? Um, has recently been caught. Tell me it's not Mr. Rogers. Please no, say no, not um, Mr. Rogers. It's, um, it's Philip Schofield, who um, was um, not Flip. Children's, uh, children's TV presenter in the 1980s and 1990s and oh recently was a mainstay of daytime television. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh left daytime television in a um under a cloud recently and discovered that he'd been grooming a teenage boy and waiting until the moment he could be legal before he could start an affair with the kids well howard i feel like we have about 300 other podcasts that we could do with you (laughs) so please 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 come back i feel like just from this one i have like 20 other uh topics i'd love to discuss with you (laughs) on all these things uh, this has been great. Sure. Thank you so much, Howard. Right. This has been an excellent episode. Thank you so much, Sue and Jimmy. Uh, yeah. Please come back again. Uh, you're awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Lovely to be here. Bye, Bye everybody. Bye. Thank you so much, Howard. <laughs>